Amen. Did you visit that this morning? I hope you spent time in the secret place with the Lord before you came to church. Take your Bible, turn to the book of John, John chapter number four in your Bibles this morning. John chapter number four in your Bibles this morning. Let me highlight again what Brother Perry said about the choir. Please, we need you. And uh, if, I like that. If you don't know, if you can carry a bucket, you're good enough. So come on out. Let's belt it out. Sing it for the Lord. And uh, we are, I'm looking for, I'm excited about what God's doing here. And just to see the different programs that have come along. And it's almost a year. Coming up here in a couple weeks. It'll be one year we've been here. And uh, man, that, got a kids program going. Got the, yeah, even the kids Sunday school classes and and uh, now the music program is coming along, and, and uh, people are coming. I'm excited. I don't know about you, but it excites me. And, and we're seeing people saved, and our area is being impacted for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so let me encourage you, if God's given you any talents at all, use them for his ability and for his glory here in the choir. So we need your help. John chapter number 4 in your Bibles here. And notice in verse number 27. The Bible says, And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come meet a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city, and came unto him. In the meanwhile his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Father, I pray this morning that as the word of God goes forth, that, that we would leave, uh, Lord, with a desire and a determination to talk to people about Christ. Lord, help us to set aside our pharisaical attitudes. Lord, may we uh, set aside our prejudice. Lord, may we set aside our agendas. Lord, let us proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in your precious name. Amen. I find it amazing here in verse number 27 that the Bible says the disciples marveled that Jesus was willing to talk to this woman there at that well of Samaria. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've been shocked. I was, to be honest with you, I was shocked here back in November when uh, we were sitting there on that Tuesday evening and the election results started to come in and they said Donald Trump is doing really well. I'll be honest with you, I had heard the news media say there's no way Donald Trump is going to win. And uh, when I heard those reports, I was shocked by uh, by the, by the results of the voting, I, I I enjoy sometimes watching YouTube clips of different sports uh, sports athletes driving for Uber. Of course, Uber is a cool word, right? I mean, you, you drive for Uber. Everybody drives for Uber, but. I love David Ortiz. Played for the Red Sox until he retired. But, but I was watching a little while back. He was uh, he was doing an Uber advertisement. He got in that car, put on a big you know Afro wig and, and uh, put on some fake facial hair. And he's driving down the road, you know, and he's talking to the the lady he picked up about the Boston Red Sox. And uh, what do you think about their star player, David Ortiz? Right, getting honest feedback from her what she thought about him. And uh, when they got, the, when the trip was over and, and uh, she was about ready to get out of the car, he took that wig off and he took the facial hair off. And I love watching the excitement of, uh, of folks that do that. I was watching, uh, I think 2020, uh, 2020 or ABC, one of those things, did a show where a girl in, uh, in Cleveland won a million dollars. And uh, LeBron James showed up with that big old suitcase 
with all that money in there, and then the Brinks truck followed after it, right? But uh, there was the ringing of the doorbell, right? And there LeBron James was at, uh, at the door, and she went crazy, and the kids went crazy. And, and it's funny to watch people that are shocked. It's funny to watch them when, when their jaw drops to the ground and they're floored with what has taken place, uh, who's driving them, who they're meeting. Uh, but you know, let me say, there are some things in our life that we ought not to be shocked at. There's some things in our life that we ought to just, hey, realize that that's everyday, normal, everyday occurrence. And when it comes to spiritual things, witnessing the people and seeing people come to Christ ought not to shock us. It ought to be something that occurs on a regular basis. But let me just say something. Most of us, sadly, if we were to win one person to Christ, we would be shocked. Why? Because we're not, we're not doing it. We're not engaged in the ministry. We're not engaged in showing people about the Lord Jesus Christ. We talk it. We sing the songs. We, we love it when missionaries like Brother Stiles that coming to Boston or come to our church going to Boston. We love it when they come in and they show their presentations and they talk about the mission field. But we're failing to engage in reaching our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder, are you shocked? Are you amazed when people come to Christ? Hey, the disciples here, remember the context and the story, they're on their way to the northern part of Israel. They're, they're passing through Samaria. We talked about that last week, how he must needs go through Samaria. And on his way to Samaria, he stops at, or he stops at that well, Jacob's well. He sits there and he engages in the conversation with that woman about her need for Christ. And she came looking for physical water. She came focused on the well. She came enthralled with her pot, her water pot, right? But when she left that conversation, she walked away with the water of life, having satisfied her thirsty soul. And yet it's amazing to me, as Jesus is engaged in this conversation, he just said in verse number Verse number uh, 25, the woman saith, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak with thee am he. He said, let me just tell you, ma'am, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ. And as he is leading her to salvation, the disciples are ste uh, stepping back and they're shocked that Jesus would witness to that woman. He, they're shocked that he would engage in that conversation. I wonder today, friend, are you engaged in sharing your faith with others. I, I think about here, the, notice first of all in this passage, the disciples' amazement there in verse 27. It says, And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. It's like driving down the road with Uber and David Ortiz is your driver and you're a big Boston Red Sox fan. And he takes the wig off and your jaw hits the floor. Hey, that's my favorite sports player, David Ortiz. They are shocked. They are marveling. They are amazed that Jesus would talk with that woman. Uh, I think about some other places in the Bible where the word marvel is mentioned. It says in Matthew chapter number 8 and verse number 10, it says, When Jesus heard, that, heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Uh, there in Matthew chapter number 8, the centurion came to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, I, I, I need you to come and heal my servant. My servant's been loyal, he's been faithful to me, and, and would you please come and touch him? Would you lay your hands upon him? Would you heal him of this sickness in which, which he has? And uh, man, they make their, start making their way, their way down there, and the centurion takes a time out. He says, you know, Jesus, he said, I'm a man of authority. He said, I said, this guy go this way, he goes. I said, that guy do this, he does it. He said, listen, he says, I'm not even worthy of you coming under my roof. He said, would you just speak the words? And my servant would be healed. And the Bible says that Jesus marveled at that man's faith. 
Why? Because he believed Christ. Because he just didn't talk the talk. He just didn't say, he didn't have the mindset, I've got to see it to believe it. No, he believed Christ and that faith amazed Christ. There in, uh, in, in Mark chapter number 5 and verse number 20, the Bible says, And he departed and began to publish into capitalists how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. There in Mark chapter number 5, Jesus comes to, uh, to the hillside, the country of the maniac of Gadara. Well, this maniac had been, had been bound with chains and fetters, and yet he had ripped them off. This maniac had legions of demons in him. He was a man that was controlled by the devil. He was a man that, that ran around in the, in, the, in the tombs and in the caves of the mountains, a, a crazy wild man. Everybody knew about that man. They stayed as far away from that crazy guy in the hillside. They wanted nothing to do with him. Jesus comes by. He introduces himself. That man trusts Christ to be his Savior. He's born again. He's clothed. He's sitting in his right mind. And the man wanted to stay with Jesus. He said, Lord, I don't want to go back home. I don't want to stay here. I want to go and travel with you. I want to be your disciple. And uh, Jesus said, no, you stay here. You witness to the folks you're supposed to witness to. You make the impact in your community. The Bible says that he went to Decapolis. That word uh, Decapolis is, is the word deca. Right? Remember, remember when you were in school and you had, uh, you had the decameter? And uh, you have the DECA. DECA stands for 10. And uh, what did this man do? There was 10 cities there in Decapolis. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, you kind of, we could say it's, you know, kind of like Atlanta. You know, you had the main city, Atlanta, and then you had the suburbs. This man went to not only the city, but he went to the suburbs, the, the, the 10 cities there in that region. And what's this man doing? This man is preaching about Jesus Christ that transformed his life. He said, you guys knew me. You knew me what I was before I got saved. You saw my crazy actions. You, you heard my crazy antics. You know the life that I lived before. And now I met Christ. Now listen to the message. And the city and the people were marveled at this man's transformation. The word marvel. Uh, it says in, uh, in, uh, in, in Mark chapter number 6, um, he marveled because of their unbelief, talking about the city of Capernaum. His hometown, the place where he grew up, the people that knew him, saw him as a little child, saw him at 12, saw him as a carpenter. This city that should have received Christ rejected him. And the Bible says that Christ marveled at their rejection. Why? Because the truth was right in front of them. He's like, hey guys, 2 plus 2 equals 4. And they said, no, we're not even accounting. We're not going to even try. You were rejecting you. We want to throw you over the hill. And Jesus marveled at their unbelief. In John 7, 15, the Jews marveled, saying, how knoweth this man letters, having never learned? John 7, 21, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. There Jesus Christ is being accosted by the, by the, the religious leaders of that day. Hey, who gave you the authority to preach? Who, who do you think you are? And Jesus with power and with the word of God stood up and he declared, Thus saith the Lord. And it shocked the religious leaders. Why? Because Jesus didn't go and sit under the feet of Gamaliel. He didn't go and learn in the synagogues. He was not a, he didn't have the doctoral degrees hanging on his wall. He was not a teacher of the law. Hey, he was just a carpenter. 
and they were shocked and they marveled at the authority that Jesus had. Why? Because he spoke as one that had power and authority. Marveled, they were shocked. And so we see those different examples. The, the faith of that centurion, the transformation of that crazy man, the maniac of Gadara, and the crowd's response to him. Jesus Christ and his shock that the city of Capernaum would not believe him. The religious leaders hearing Christ teach, they're amazed and they marveled at his teachings. You see that word marvel? It's that shock. It's that awe. It's that no way this can't be happening. And as we come to this passage, that's exactly where the disciples are at. They marveled that Jesus would talk to a lost individual. You say, Pastor, why would that be the case? Why were the disciples, why were they shocked? I believe they were shocked and, and amazed because of their prejudice. Remember, the Samaritans were half-breeds. Hey, they were the ones that nobody wanted anything to do with. They were the ones that had mixed the false religions of the, of the, the Hittites and the Amorites and the, all the ites of the land. And they had mixed it with their Jewish religion. And they had a weird form of faith and it was not grounded in the Bible. They had intermarried and they were half-breeds. And, and here were the pure-blooded disciples of Jesus, the Jews, right? And they saw Jesus talking to somebody that was not a Jew. What, why, why did they marvel? Because of their pride and their prejudice. You know why you don't witness? Because of your pride. Because of your prejudice. You know, you know why I'm scared to knock on a door? I'm scared to hand out a gospel track. You know why I'm scared to witness for the Savior? It's because of my pride. What will people think about me? What will people say? Oh, there's that religious preacher. There's that religious fanatic. Hey, all he does is talk about God. All he does is tell me I, I need to be born again. All he, oh, there it goes. And, and, we, and we, we try to save our face. We try to be cool instead of telling folks the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, folks, it, we've got to drop our pride. We've got to resist. God resists at the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. We need to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. We've got to say, you know what? It's not about me. And by the way, it's not. It's not about you and, and, and how you look at the workplace. Listen, God has called you to be a salt. A salt. He's called you to be light. I think about back in the Bible days. Uh, when you would go hunting, and uh, boy, there would come Bambi walking down the road, right? You'd take that, that bow and arrow, right? And boom, you'd shoot Bambi, right? And boy, all that fresh meat would be there. You know what you would do in order to preserve that meat because it was very humid and, and very hot in, in that area? You would take a bunch of salt. And you would salt it like crazy, and sometimes you would smoke it, but salt was used as a preservative. Then you salt it, and some way you could use it later on. You know what God's called us to be? He's called us to be salt. He's called us to be a preservative, rescuing people from the flames of hell in our area. And you know what we're doing? We're saying, hey, I've got the, I've got the, the life raft. Hey, you're drowning. You're going to hell. You don't know Christ as your Savior. You're, about, you're, you're one breath away from eternity. And we say, oh, you need a life jacket? Here's a life jacket. Look at, look at my face. Look at how cool I am. And they need the life jacket. They don't need your cool personality. They don't need your charisma. They don't need you to talk about Auburn and Alabama. No, they need you to give them the lifeline. They need you to tell them the lifeline. They need you to reach down with compassion. Pull them into the boat of salvation. And what do we do? We sit back and say, well, what, what about, you know, what if I don't look right? 
right? What if they laugh about me? What if they say, oh, your life jacket looks old and tattered and worn and it's outdated? Who cares what they say? Listen, get over your pride. Get over you. Get over our, our, our prejudice. And we got to say, hey, here's what you need now. It's your choice to accept it. But you know what they need? They need that lifeline thrown out. Throw out the lifeline across the dark waves. There is a brother whom someone can save. Some say, uh, can save. Some fainting, struggling seamen. You may rescue, you may save, but we've got to throw out the lifeline. And the disciples saw the Savior whom they had walked with, whom they had talked with, whom they had observed the ministry. And they were shocked that Jesus would have compassion on a woman that was an immoral, half-blood, half-breed, full of false religion. He was shocked that his message was for everybody. Let me remind you tonight, today that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. It doesn't matter your race. doesn't matter your creed. doesn't matter your background. doesn't matter where you're from. A Yankee or a Southerner. doesn't matter if you're from Mexico and can't speak English. It hey, doesn't matter if you're from, uh, from the Middle East and you're Muslim. God's message of salvation is to all. And we've got to lift up our eyes and look on the fields for the white are ready to harvest. The message was clear. The passion of Christ was straightforward. And yet the disciples observed it and their pride and their pet this cause them to marvel. I wonder today, would you set aside your pride? You know, as I was laying in bed last night, I was reading a book about the art of communication. And, uh, and, and I was reading a chapter on when you speak and when you preach or whatever you're doing, you ought to have one thing that you're focused on. What do you want the congregation to do? What do you want them to change? And I was laying there and I said, Lord, I want our church to get past our pride. I want us to get past our, our, our faith and, and, our, and our own selfish desire. And I want us to truly be light and be the salt we ought to be for the Savior. Hey, can I ask you, when's the last time you invited one person to Jesus Christ? Ms. Franklin, I appreciate you being here this morning. You came because Janice was willing to invite you to come. I, I think about the folks that have come to our church. Many of them have come because of a personal invitation. Hey, I love our church. I think this is the best church in America. I really do. I think you guys are the greatest church members. of. Uh, I love it. I love what God's doing here. You know what we need to do? We need to tell folks all over the place, hey, come to my church. Come hear a message about salvation. We're a great church, but you know what? When's the last time we told folks about our great Savior? You know, we're just not a body. It's just not, you know, we're not a social club. If you want a social club, go up on the mountain to the golf course. Go on the Robert Trent golf course. You know, I mean, man, there's, there's better golf clubs out there, more fancy food and, you know, fancy amenities. Listen, our mission field and our job is to bring people to Jesus Christ. We need to set aside our pride. We need to hone in on the, on the will of God. We see, number one, the disciples' amazement. But notice as the story goes on there in verse number 28, it says, and the woman then left her water pot. So we see, number one, the disciples. Number two, we see the woman's announcement. It says, and the woman left her water pot and went away into the city and saith to the men, come meet a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She, she left as a changed woman. She came focused on the well, the water, and the water pot. But she left focused on the water of life. Hey, there had been a spiritual change in her life. She, she had been born again with that statement, I am the Messiah. Jesus said, I speak with him, thee, in verse 26. And that woman left as a changed individual. Again, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. 
and behold, all things are become new. She went as an immoral woman living in the fornication at that moment, having had five husbands. She, she came full of sin and reviled by the community, and she met the Savior, and she said, I don't even care about my water pot. I don't care about the physical things. I've got a message to preach. By the way, that, would, uh, that, that thought would change our thinking. I don't care about temp the temporal. I'm focused on the eternal. You know, I, so many folks that are interested in ministry, they'll ask the question, well, how much does it pay? You know, can I, do I have the benefits? Do I have the retirement? Do I have blah, blah, what's the package? Tell me what's, you know, and what they're focused on, hey, the water pot. The woman, she, she wasn't focused on the water pot. She had a message that she had to declare. She left the water pot, said, you disciples deal with that water pot. Hey, you debate the money, you debate the building, you debate all those different things. She said, I'm leaving the water pot and I'm going to the city. And she came running down to that city, a changed woman. What was her message? What was her announcement? She's, the Bible says that she came in verse number Verse number uh, 29, it says, uh, uh, verse number 28, she, the, the woman say, uh, then left her water pot and went away into the city and saith, notice, to the men. This woman was rejected. Man, the ladies wouldn't let her come to the clubs. You know, they didn't sit around and knit and, you know, do, make their fancy gloves and, you know, oodle and talk about stuff. No, you know where this woman, this woman was despised in that crowd. She went to the only people that she knew, she went to the men of the city. Hey, guys, I've got something to tell you. I've got an announcement to proclaim. Like the angels proclaimed, he's born in Bethlehem. This woman said, I've got an announcement that you've got to hear. It was an urgent message. What did she proclaim? She proclaimed, the message is, come me, the man that told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Oh, I'm sure there were some that debated with her. They said, oh, how can this possibly be the Messiah? Let me say, this woman had never sat in a Bible class. She had never sat in Sunday school. She'd she only been to one service with the Savior, found out he was the Messiah. And she went home saying, hey, I met the man. She wasn't an expert. You know, people say, well, I can't witness because I don't know all these different things. I think, Xavier, you and I were talking a little while back about, you know, some of the deeper things of the Bible. This woman didn't have a clue. She didn't know where, she didn't know where the New Testament and the Old Testament was. She didn't know one book of the Bible. All she knew was the Savior that she had just been introduced to. And she went back and said, you know what, you can debate me, you can talk, whatever, but let me tell you something. This man changed my life. The message of a changed life will many times give folks a hunger and a desire for what you've experienced. I think about being a food critic. I'm not a food critic. I, I, I've never been to culinary arts school. In fact, I really don't have a clue how they make stuff, you know. But I'll tell you something. You want a good place to eat? I'll tell you where it's at. I've got a good friend of mine by the name of Dan Lucente. Dan, oh, I'm not allowed to tell fat jokes. My wife gets on me afterwards. But, you know, he's really, he's really a, a big guy. But he loves food. I love him because he loves food. And whenever I travel in a van, Dan and I, his, his, his uh, brother Steve, is, uh, is one of my dearest friends in, in all the world. Love Steve, love Dan. Dan started a church right outside of Danbury, Connecticut. And just a man of God. But, but he enjoys food, all right? You know what I'm saying? And uh, if I was anywhere in the country, and I'm, you know, hungry for some good wings, I'm hungry for some steak, or I'm hungry for good pork chops, whatever it may be, you know who I call? I, I call, forget, uh, you know, forget Yelp. Forget uh, Google, you know, forget Guy Ferretti, even though th that's a great resource. Dan Lucente, hey, I'm in Syracuse, New York. Where do you recommend I eat? Mother's Cupboard, Dinosaur Barbecue. 
Hey, I'm in, I'm in New, uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Where should I go eat? Hey, go to where pizza was invented. Hey, Dan, I'm, uh, I'm down here in, in Naples, Florida. Where should I go? go hey, wherever it's at. He's like, hey, he knew where to go, right? Why? Because Dan experienced food. He was an expert, right? He, Dan never went to culinary art school, but he enjoyed it. Hey, this woman, she didn't go to Bible college. She didn't have you know, Sunday school teaching under her belt and then told her, no. She, but she experienced the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Hey, I wonder this morning, has Christ changed your life? And if he's told you, are you telling folks about him? I'm, I'm reminded of the story there in, in the book of 2 Kings where um, the, the city was experiencing a great famine. They were being attacked. The, and the city was laid siege by the enemy. And, uh, and people were... were the, the illustration of the story was there was two ladies and they cannibalized one of their kids. And the king found out about that because the other lady said, well, I'm hungry and now this lady won't cannibalize her other son and, and uh, man, it's just awful. I want something to eat. I'm starving. And here comes the prophet. The prophet said, tomorrow, hey, tomorrow there's going to be food and uh, it'll be food in abundance. The city's surrounded by the enemy and there were some lepers living outside of the city. They were rejected by those in the city because of their disease, and the enemy rejected them because they didn't want the leprosy in their camp, right? And then they're hungry. They're starving together. One of them says, hey, you know, I don't know about you, but the city doesn't have any food, and uh, the enemy, they've got some food. Maybe they'll have mercy on us and throw us some leftovers. And so they said, let's go down to the enemy. The worst that can happen is they kill us, and we're going to die anyway without food. So let's just go down and see if they've got some food. Man, they go down to the city, or down to the enemy, and then they look around, and it's a ghost town. Hey, the tents are set up, the cabin's there, the food's still on the, on the fire. I mean, it's smelling good, it's like a normal camp, but there's no enemies there. Everybody's gone. And they're like, man, this is awesome, right? They start to pig out, they start eating. They're like, man, can't find anybody. They take the gold and the silver and all those cool instruments and they bury it. They go to the next tent and they take it and they bury it. They're like, man, we're getting filthy rich, right? And all of a sudden the light bulb went on. They're like, man, here we are experiencing these wonderful meals. Here we've got gold and silver and all the bling bling around and there's a city that's starving to death. They said, you know, we do not well is what they said to sit here and not tell the city. They went back to the city. They said, oh, Harold, hey, you're keeping the gate. Mr. Harold, I've got a message. The message is the enemy's gone. There's food just down the road. Hey, it's good food. We've eaten it. Look, here's a, here's a ribeye. We've just eaten it. Hey, it's awesome. Now go get some food. Right They had a good message, but they had to tell the message. You know what we have in our church? We have a lot of, lot of lepers, a lot of beggars that have experienced the goodness and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But we're burying it in the tent. We don't want anybody to know because, well, what if they don't like steak? And that's all there is. Well, what if they don't like baked potatoes? Listen, they're eating bird junk. They're cannibalizing their kids. They're a mess. And you know what? That, that describes our culture. Abortion all over the place. Immorality, idolatry, wickedness. You know what they need? They need the source of Jesus Christ. I wonder today, friend, would you announce like that lady did? She announced to the man, come be a man which told me all things that I did. What was her message? He knows me. Let me say, God knows you. Thou God seest me. There's nothing hid from the eyes of him with whom we had to do. God knows you and he sees you for who you really are. You can be religious. You can put on the show. If you're here today without Christ, the only way you'll go to heaven is to humble yourself. And by faith alone, apart from works, turn from your sin and turn to Christ because he knows you for who you really are. He knows me, but what was the message? Not only in verse 29, come see a man who's told me all things ever I did. There was a message of he knows me, but is not this the Christ? It was a message of he has saved me. 
He saved me. You say, preacher, what's my strongest testimony? What's my strongest message? He's rescued me. He saved me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. Pump the master of the sea. Heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Your salvation testimony, like that man of the Gadara, like this woman at the well, he changed me, will cause folks to hunger for what you've experienced. We see, number one, the disciples' amazement. Number two, the, the woman's announcement. Notice lastly in verse 29 and 30, notice the city's action. It says, come see a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ that heard the message? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. They heard, and then they responded. Those in Capernaum heard the same message. And yet they decided they want to throw Jesus over a cliff. The Pharisees and the religious crowd knew that Jesus and the Messiah was prophesied to come. They read the Old Testament. Many of them could quote it. They knew Isaiah the prophet, and yet what did they do? They said, no, thank you. We're going to try to motivate the crowd to put you on that cross. You and I this morning sit and we hear the same message. Over and over and over. Salvation is through Christ and Christ alone. Not of yourself as a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. I wonder this morning, will you reject the message? The city had a choice to make. Here's this crazy woman who we know, immoral, has a history. She, her life has been changed. Now what are we going to do with the message? Can I ask you today, Christian, what are you going to do with the message of Jesus Christ? The city went and met Christ. The woman did her job, told the good news, and the city was converted. Why? Because they responded correctly to the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. I wonder this morning, are you going to tell folks about where they can find the free gift of Christ? Or are you going to be like the disciples, stand back in amazement and awe that Jesus would witness. Let your pride and your prejudice get in the way of telling folks how they can know Christ as their personal Savior. Hey, what's my prayer? What's my desire? Is that we would move from our pride. We would let go of, well, what do people think about me? And throw them the lifeline. Tell them there's food in the camp. Tell them there's a Savior that will take away their sin if they would follow the same steps that you followed to meet Christ. I wonder, would you have a burden for Christ to tell people about Him? I wonder, what's your passion? What's your passion this morning? Let's pray together. Father, I preach what you gave me today. Lord, that message is very simple and straightforward. There is a message to be preached, and we need to obey, and we need to preach that message. Now, Father, we need to respond. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I just wonder how many would say this morning, preacher, God spoke to my heart. He's convicted me. I've not been witnessing, not been teaching, not been proclaiming that good message like I need to. And I need to make a decision. I need to be that witness like that woman was, like Jesus was. Would you pray for me, preacher? God's dealt with me. If that's you, would you slip your hand up all over the room? Good. Good. Praise God. Amen. Preacher, pray for me. I needed that message this morning. Maybe there's somebody you're praying for. Co-worker, neighbor. I wonder how many say, preacher, God laid some somebody on my heart. That woman there in the city, man, that woman, she had a burden for the city. You say, maybe God's given me a burden for a lost member in my family, a co-worker, somebody God specifically laid on my heart. And I'm going to do my best, preacher, to tell them about Christ. Would you pray for me? God's laid somebody on my heart. Good. That's me, preacher. Pray for me. Good number of hands. Man, number of hands. Praise God. You can put them down. 
Hey, maybe as we stand in a moment, maybe it'd be good for you to find a place here at the altar and say, God, I, help me to have that fresh burden and that fresh vision to witness for you. But I want to lastly, maybe there'd be one that would say, Preacher, I don't know Christ is my Savior. Everybody around me talks about the water of life, Jesus Christ. Everybody else has the stories of where to get good food at, but I've never experienced Jesus Christ. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You say, Preacher, I've never done that before, but I want to do that this morning. Would you pray for me? I'm lost and I need Christ, and I want to get saved today. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? I want to embarrass you. I won't call you out, but I want to pray for you, Preacher. I don't know Christ is my Savior. I know I'm lost. Jesus died for me on the cross. I need to be saved. Pray for me. Here's my hand. Here's my hand. Well, Father, the message has been preached. Thank you for the sensitivity among your people. And now I pray that we would respond. Lord, may we avail ourselves of the altar, make a decision for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. The message has been preached this morning. God's spoken to your heart. Let's do business with God. The altar's open. Would you come? Would you pray? Get along with God. Say, God, I need your help. Help me to witness for you. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. The time to respond is now. Would you come? Father, you dealt with my heart this morning. I was the one that was preaching. and Yet I'm so thankful for the sweet Holy Spirit of God bringing about conviction in my heart. And I know you've dealt with folks this morning. And Father, I pray that we would just leave with a passion for souls. Let us be passionate about the things that you are passionate about. Lord, let us not be consumed with the temporal. But Lord, let us be consumed with the things that are eternal. Lord, we need your help. Lord, I pray that we all Lord, we just reach one this week. Just tell one person about where they can find the source of life through Jesus Christ. Give us boldness and give us a passion, we pray in Jesus' name.